Welcome to the Tennessee World Affairs Council podcast in our Global Tennessee series. I'm Patrick Ryan, president of the Tennessee World Affairs Council, and we have a special episode today. We are uh, pleased to welcome to Nashville and uh, Belmont University, where we're based, uh, Ambassador Javier uh, Diaz de Leon. He is the Consul General to Mexico, based in Atlanta, Georgia. He's in uh, Nashville today to talk about uh, business and the commercial relationship between Mexico and Tennessee and uh, more broadly uh, the United States. So we're going to talk about uh, economic uh, issues and uh, we'll also ask some questions about uh, other issues in the U.S.-Mexico relationship. Ambassador, welcome to Tennessee. Welcome to Nashville and uh, the World Affairs Council. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Ryan. and Thank you for the invitation and great to be here with the Tennessee World Affairs Council. Thank you. Uh, we uh, we had the privilege of hearing you speak at the International Business Council of the National Chamber, uh, one of our partners, uh, uh, as well as uh, Belmont Center for International Business. And uh, let's uh, let's start where you started off there about the uh, trade relationship, and specifically the USMCA, uh, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement, which went into force last year, which. Yeah. Um, replaced or uh, amended uh, the NAFTA trade agreement, which many people are somewhat familiar with. But if you could describe for us uh, what that trade relationship is all about. Well, I mean, it's been, uh, from our point of view, and not only Mexico, I think both all three governments agree that uh, it's been highly successful for all three countries. Uh, it started out in the early 90s, not like maybe some of you, all of you might remember uh, with the NAFTA. And this really transformed our region. Uh, because it's not just a trade agreement through which we are, you know, trading with each other finished goods. Uh, it might have been that at the beginning, uh, but the, our economies have transformed since. And Mexico's economy certainly changed uh, from being an economy that was mostly, uh, by the end of the 80s, a, uh, uh, a, a economy that would produce uh, commodities and, and trade commodities around the world, like oil and, uh, and other, you know, basic uh, uh, agricultural products and all that. Uh, Mexico has become a semi-industrialized country and uh, one of the h largest manufacturing hubs in the world. And, uh, and uh, what we have right now is not just usually a, a trade relationship among three countries that are trading finished goods with each other. Yes, I mean, you, I mean we, we buy, you know, your, your uh, uh, agricultural products and uh, there's a lot of avocados and tequila uh, that is being bought over here. Yeah, we trade that, sure. But it's not really those about are, that. Those are the highlights of that yeah. people like to think well, about. Those are sort, of, sort of the stereotypes, you know. But that's not really what's driving the tremendously huge economic relationship that we have. Because what we really trade with each other are parts, machinery, uh, uh, that are being traded amongst each other for uh, supply chains. Uh, we are manufacturers, and we manufacture things together. Uh, and we are probably the most efficient region in the world at that. Uh, we don't talk about it a lot, but that is what it, we have become. So what what is the impact uh, for, say, Tennesseans of, uh, of this trade agreement? It's it's uh, it's tremendous. Uh, I think 3.3 billion in, in 2019 trade between actually US it's a and lot Mexico. larger than that. Uh, the trade relationship between Tennessee and Mexico uh, last year was a little over 13 billion dollars, 13.5 billion dollars total trade. Uh, 
and uh, 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 despite the pandemic, uh, the, the trade uh, remained strong. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, the pandemic, uh, you know, had an impact on trade all over the world, right. everywhere. Uh, and our specific trade balance between Tennessee and Mexico dipped marginally because of this, which is we see mostly as a success. Uh, that despite all of this, you know, uh, closing that was going on in plants shut down in all of our countries, uh, we still managed to have a very, very moderate uh, slowdown from that. And we are expecting, you know, uh, our economy in Mexico is expected to grow grow over 6.6% this year compared to, to last year. And, uh, and, of course, that is the same thing going on in the United States. So we expect these numbers to be very large and maybe reach over $14 billion next year. Now, the successor to uh, USMCA was NAFTA. And as you know, that uh, became a political lightning rod and uh, a dirty word for, for some people, mm-hmm. uh, especially in areas that were impacted by factory closings in the states. But mm-hmm. uh, um, the overall trade increased, uh, obviously. And uh, what would you say to explain what NAFTA was about to people who might have a uh, I mean, it, other it, it was a change of that uh, of paradigm for uh, our region, our three countries, and that means basically moving from closed economy in Mexico to uh, uh, and again slowly moving into a sort of relationship that is not like I was saying about trading finished goods, but more about manufacturing supply chains, and uh, and that involves a transition and an economic transition that has impacts and industries move from one place to another depending which is the best the most competitive place for them to set up and, and drive. And that created and that that created some uh, uh, pain in some, in some places and pain in some industries. Uh, uh, here in the South, there is always the talk about the textile industry, for example, that has, uh, you know, changed dramatically from what it was uh, before all of this. Mostly to Asia. Uh, but, yeah, so second of all, I mean, mostly most of that trade, I mean, that industry moved to Asia. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing that's not usually talked about, it's, it's very fine to understand, is that a lot of that change was provoked also because of technology. So so technology evolved. So a lot of those tradi- very traditional jobs in very traditional industries were gone, but not necessarily because of NAFTA. Uh, they might have gone also to other parts of the world, but mostly they were lost to technology. And, uh, and uh, but of course, I mean, uh, these things get politicized, and that happens too in Mexico. Sure. Uh, uh, but in the larger sense, I mean, uh, uh, the number of jobs that uh, are being created by our trade relationships are enormous. I mean, uh, in the United States, there's over 5 million jobs in the United States that are created by NAFTA and trade with Mexico. Uh, but now USMCA. Uh, here in Tennessee, it's just over 100,000 jobs here in Tennessee that are exist because of the economic trade relationship with Mexico. What sort of industries are those in? I mean, the largest driver of, of, of that economic relationship here in Tennessee is the car manufacturing industry. No, no pun intended. Uh, the dri- driver. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, there's a, dri- <laughs> there's a pun right there. I didn't even <laughs> notice that. That's true. Uh, no, no pun intended. Uh, uh, is the car industry. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and one of the wrong ways to approach this that we've seen recently in media in my country and here, too, is that uh, this is not a zero sum game. This is not something that, you know, there's a winner and the winner necessarily means a loser on the other side. Right. 
uh, this is a win-win game because, th for example, you know, like the, the Nissan plant that is so successful and so strong here, here in, t in in the Nashville area, or the or the Volkswagen plant in in Chattanooga, or the General Motors plant that you also have here in in Tennessee that you know creates so much jobs and so much uh, economic sure. uh, uh, good. They are all connected to similar plants in Mexico, and these are not plants that are competing with each other. Uh, parts go from Tennessee to Mexico, and parts come from Mexico to Tennessee, and they are they are just the part of the same building of the same car. When a car is built in North America, it crosses the border seven or eight times during the process. So it's not an American car. It's not a Mexican car. It's a North American car. Right. And and the value of trade in North America, uh, as I understand it, is about $1.3 trillion, trillion among dollars. Canada Mexico and the United States. Exactly. It makes it the largest free trade zone in the world. And, and that's and that's just intra-region trade we're talking about. That's the trade we do with each other. But, I mean, let's, if you consider that, like I was saying, a lot of this is manufacturing. And manufacturing many times to sell elsewhere. So we are manufacturing products, high technology, highly, highly valued uh, uh, products in our region, of course, for our domestic markets, yes, but not only that. We are we are selling a lot of our cars and planes that we do it through, uh, you know, aerospace and medical equipment and all the things that we do so well in North America. We we sell them to other places in the world. Sure, and with the pandemic, the the border is closed to non-essential uh, traffic and and uh, uh, crossing over the border, but that has not affected. No, because what that means basically crossing for tourism purposes. Or you know shopping. So goods are still flowing. So goods are flowing. I mean, the f so the flow of goods uh, and, and all this trade that we're talking about still going through the border, and most of it goes through the border. Right. The pandemic highlighted the uh, vulnerability of the American system to uh, supply chain and interruptions, and uh, political con considerations in Asia, especially our relations, American relationship with China. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the uh, the issues is whether uh, industries will be bringing back uh, those supply chains. And you've mentioned the word uh, alliance. Al allied shoring. Allied shoring. Can yeah. you tell us about that? Yeah, well, there's a growing concept about certain think tanks uh, in the United States. And it basically means the growing trend of a lot of uh, uh, companies and manufacturing companies that have set up part of their manufacturing process in, uh, in East Asia, particularly in China, under the conditions that you just described, uh, the growing tension, trade tension between the United States and, and, and China, and other political issues that are creating uncertainty in that region of the world, that, uh, that it's, it's a growing trend for a lot of these companies to look elsewhere, and particularly to Mexico as an alternative. Put, and it says, you know, put your money and your investment in an ally, in mm -hmm. a country that is predictable, in a country that has a free trade agreement uh, that we know is there. We just renewed it, uh, along with Canada, of course, uh, and that will strengthen and give certainty to investment. Now, as far as certainty, um, you talked earlier today in, in the other session about the stability that's necessary for business to, to do well, yeah. especially among countries where the political leadership of one or another may, from time to time, insert some questions. Mm. 
Um, we have a new administration here. What's what's your observation, your perspective on the stability now of the relationship? Um, and I think, I mean, uh, again, first of all, I, I would say that uh, throughout the years, uh, no matter what administration is in Washington or in Mexico City, uh, the strength and the institutional buildup that we've done, we've been successful to build a an institutional framework to, to, to get things done in, in our region, in, in, in our relationship with the United States and Mexico. Uh, so, so as long as we're sure and we keep together that framework, and it's, it's actually and it's very much there, uh, we, it will it will continue. Uh, with this with this administration, of course, we've been able to to keep the dialogue going. It's, it happens at the highest level, uh, continuously. My president talked to Vice President Harris this week. Uh, we had the Secretary Mayorkas from Homeland Security and the National Security Advisor in Mexico City this week. And, uh, and there's conversations between our high-level officials all the time going on. And even at the middle, and, and, and probably most important, at the lower level, at the everyday basis, U.S. agencies talk to Mexican agencies all the time about issues, any issue that you can think of, from the environment to trade, of course, security, immigration, all those things are things that our agencies and officers and and and, and government officials uh, collaborate uh, between Mexico and the United States on a single day basis. So the connective tissue and the foundations of the relationship are strong enough that if there's a storm that goes by, uh, they are. They, yeah, I mean, they, it, it goes way beyond that. Yeah, and and we've been through storms. I mean, there's been storms. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, and and when those storms happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, they get the headlines, and there might be a, a statement that, you know, is very much on CNN or something like that. Yeah, uh, and, and we'll work on that, you know, uh, and that can happen. Yeah, we're not immune to so something like that. Uh, but in the end, I mean, this relationship is too, mu too important to, m to too many people. I'm talking about millions of lives of people in both, co both countries, yeah. and we make sure this relationship works. Now, uh, you mentioned the, vi the visit of the National Security Advisor and, and the Secretary of Homeland Security mm -hmm. and the phone conversation, our Vice President and your President. Um, I, I imagine some of that uh, related to the border. Uh, can you tell us from the Mexican perspective, I know now that uh, Mexico is no longer the source of immigration uh, mm -hmm. problems at the border, but a transit point. Can you can you give us the perspective of your government as to what's happening at the, the border, which, uh, which is, does attract a lot of attention? It is a tremendous challenge, of course, because it's a very different process of what we would see in the past where Mexico used to be a, an origin of migrants. Now Mexico is a transit. These people who are c trying to come into the United States are not Mexican. They're from Central America. They're being recruited by these organizations and brought into the United States, or being promised that they're going to gain entry into the United States. The United States is, uh, with all its uh, with all, with all its right uh, and its sovereignty right, uh, uh, enforcing its laws and establishing procedures for this. Uh, uh, and of course, we have laws and procedures too. So our task is how we talk to each other to make sure that this is done together in a way that makes sense. That at the same time that we regulate this, because we don't want chaos, we don't want to create any kind of encouragement to these sort of practices that's putting people's uh, lives in danger, and children in danger, and families in danger, and uh, and we and we want to combat these organizations together that are creating this situation, uh, uh, creating and uh, operating in Central America and through Mexico and into the United States, and and at the same time also we want to be humane. Uh, and orderly, 
and th and that is that is the the, the 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 statement that our countries made and what we're talking about so let's look about you know the issue about how we work on this issue to make it uh, orderly and safe and the other thing is let's look about the the roots of the causes uh, what what's going on in central america that's making these organizations uh, successful in recruiting and bringing people uh, willing to, you know, leave everything behind uh, with their... What is going on over there? Oh, sure. Nobody yeah. wants to get uh, exactly. on the road so to So we do need that. to work together and work at the root of the economic issues and social issues, institutional issues that are need uh, taking a look at in Central America so that people will stay in their country. People will not leave their country, and, uh, and we know that, unless they have to. Right. Uh, they will always prefer to stay back home uh, with family. So, so, so the United States and Mexico understand this very well, and we're working together on that too. Now, all this is going on against the backdrop of uh, the global pandemic. Uh, tell us uh, the situation in Mexico regarding COVID. I know we, the United States is providing several million doses of uh, yeah. vaccines, but uh, how's the vaccination going and the infection? We're we're all seeing uh, Delta's impact. How is it in Mexico? Well, it is. It is. Mexico is facing a tremendous challenge, also like 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 the U.S. does, and I think the world does. Uh, uh, we have uh, been able to opt, uh, to vaccinate uh, millions of people in, in the country. Uh, over over 70 million doses of, of, of vaccines have been administered in Mexico. Uh, I believe Mexico has the highest rate in all of Latin America by far. And not of, a lot of that has to do, of course, with support from friends like the United States. Uh, not, not only the United States, many other countries also have also, uh, you know, supplied vaccines to Mexico. And these are being, you know, uh, funneled as quickly as possible. Uh, but the challenge is there. Uh, we have uh, a lot of work to do to make sure that as many people as possible become uh, fully vaccinated. Uh, we have people who are, you know, reluctant, like happens here in the United States. So we need to work through the, a lot of the misinformation that is out there to create better conscience that, you know, doing this is something that is, what, what, that is, that is something that needs to be done if we love everybody who lives with us. Now, um, in our final minutes here, let's talk about uh, the Mexico-United States shared uh, culture, values, people, food, tequila. Um, many other things, uh, uh, not, not to make light of it, but uh, the United States and Mexico share much that doesn't get addressed on a day-to-day basis. What, what, I agree. What are your feelings about uh, the connectedness between our countries? There's, I mean, the, the, level of, the level of connection and historical connection and family connection that exists with our countries is something that is probably doesn't grab headlines, but it's very much there. Uh, 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 on a daily basis, you know, I mean, I mean, there's over one million Americans who live in Mexico. Uh, uh, one of every ten Mexicans lives in the United States. There's, there's, there are millions and millions of families that we share in the same household that are Mexican and American. Uh, uh, there's probably no country, no two countries in the world through which, if making this relationship work, makes any direct impact on the lives of millions of people. And, and that is something that it's not minor. Uh, uh, so, so we are two countries that are neighbors. We're two countries that are, of course, we already talked about economic partners, trade partners, yes, but it's much more than that. We're friends. Uh, we share a lot of friendship. There's no country in the world that Americans visit more than Mexico. 
Over three million Americans visit Mexico every year, and most of them come back. Uh, 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 and of course, Mexicans, of course, we can always say a lot of things, but Mexicans also, of course, admire the United States a lot. There's a lot of things to admire. And, uh, and this is something that is, uh, is very important to us. And I think the U.S. is very important to Mexico, certainly, but we are confident to say that the Mexico is also very important for the United States. And I think the United States is very lucky to have such, so, such great neighbors who are partners of the United States and, uh, and whose, who's, uh, for them, prosperity of the United States means prosperity for Mexico. Mexico has a stake in prosperity and good going on in the United States. And that's something that uh, sometimes people don't uh, remember. Well, we'll, uh, we'll be sure to talk about the friendship that exists and uh, the friendship between the Tennessee World Affairs Council and the Consulate of uh, Mexico in Atlanta. We've been talking with Ambassador Javier Diaz de Leon, the Consul General of Mexico to the United States based in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Ambassador, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you again, Mr. Ryan, and, and I hope uh, everybody at the Tennessee World Affairs Council is doing great, and I uh, hope to see you soon. Great. Well, welcome back to Nashville. Anytime you'd like to come, we look forward to having a consulate of Mexico here in Nashville. Now that we are uh, maybe not on par with Atlanta, but certainly giving a run for its money as an it city. So no, we'll no, no. We're, we're working on that. We hopefully we'll be able to do that. In the meantime, we're working on getting some uh, hot chicken tacos. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, great idea. Ambassador, thank you so much. Uh, this has been the Global Tennessee podcast of the Tennessee World Affairs Council. Uh, you can find this on soundcloud.com uh, slash TNWAC, along with our video archive on uh, youtube.com. Uh, excuse me, youtube.com slash TNWAC, and visit our website at tnwac.org to join the World Affairs Council or become a donor to make uh, programs like this possible. Again, I'm Patrick Ryan, President of the Tennessee World Affairs Council. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great day.